0: Welcome to the Going For Two podcast, a show that considers 100% of listeners to be just like family, when in reality, only 80% of listeners actually are. I'm your co-host, Ben Cobb. Logan, how's it going?
1: It's going good. Going good. Happy new year. Happy new year. It's been a it's been I haven't talked to you since 2019.
0: I know, classic dad joke, right? I haven't talked yep. to you since last year. I haven't talked to you since last decade.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow. That makes me. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: That's a real uh dad joke. Oh, and just everybody listening, I know that everyone Um, who's tuned in today, has been listening to the last three episodes, so I don't need to remind you. But just in the rare case that this is your first episode you're listening to, uh, I'm joined by my other co-host, Logan Sartain.
1: (laughs) That is me. That is me, at the Logan Sartain on Twitter, because I know you're all dying to uh, see what I have to say about just everything.
0: Nice plug. And if you want to follow not only Logan or myself on Twitter, you can follow... Our podcast. We got a Twitter. We're we're moving up in the world. We're being high techy. We're big um, time.
1: I heard that we got a huge like by a huge celebrity sports
0: star. Is that we right? Did, that is correct. The one, the only Nick Sunberg, long snapper of the Washington Redskins. And you know, I actually was talking to my uh, brother-in-law, who is a huge Redskins fan, um, and he said, I can't remember if it is the most or the second most but one of those um tenured redskins uh, so he's wow i know i think
1: that's that's pretty common for the long snapper i think the I cowboys so. long snapper is now the longest tenured member of the cowboys as well he outlasted jason whitten
0: well i believe it i guess if you do a good job there's not a whole reason a whole lot of reason for turnover at right. that position um, but yeah, Nick Sundberg gave us a uh, – he liked one of our tweets. So we are moving up in the world. Um, we have 10 followers right now. So if you're listening to this and want to go follow us, uh, you can increase our Twitter by a very high percentage. I mean, if you – that would be, what, 9% increase if we get an extra follower. So, um, And you could just do that by following us at going for two, T-W-O underscore pod. That's at going for two underscore pod.
1: I will send a crisp $1 bill to our 2000th follower. Wow. Wow.
0: (laughs) What if I'm the two, can I like unfollow and then follow back and you'll send me the
1: dollar? Sure. Um, If you remember by then, uh, (laughs) I will mail you
0: a $1 bill. I expect it to be like within the next couple of days once this releases, don't you?
1: Well, of course, of course. (laughs) I mean, people are going to go nuts. I offered money. Come on. Uh,
0: yeah, Yeah, that's true. I noticed that when you, uh, you tweeted like the uh, retweet this and or like this and nothing will happen.
1: Yeah, and then I said like you will win
0: <laughs> absolutely nothing. Yeah, right. And
1: like four or five accounts retweeted it because <laughs> that's all they do. So there, right. there are people out there <laughs> just searching for the terms "win," retweet to win, and they didn't even read the full tweet. So that's jokes a great on we them.
0: A, we should put that in all our tweets, like just at the bottom, like retweet to win, and then just completely. Non secular tweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just is that uh we're padding the stats there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, Building I do. A, want to, uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yes, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, speaking of Nick Sonberg, I do want to give a really cool shout out to something that he is doing on Twitter. Um, if you go to Nick Sonberg's profile, you can actually, um, I believe it's retweeting um, or maybe hashtagging. Let me. I just want to make sure that I get this right. Um, but it's either retweeting or hashtagging. Um, the, let me see, I'm pulling it up now. Um, for Loads of Love. So he is trying to win $25,000 for uh, the charity Loads of Love. Um, so if you can tweet, if you can retweet, if you can hashtag Challenge. That's Walter Payton Man of the Year Challenge (WP Challenge). You can help Nick Sumberg win that twenty-five thousand dollars to be put towards the Lo- Loads for Love, uh, Loads of Love program. So, pretty cool thing that he's doing. It's the Walter Payton Man of the Year time of the year. So, um, I would just say, so plug for for Nick Sumberg for liking us. You know, we'll give him a. Not that he needs our endorsement, but. Just if you're listening to this, you can go and simple. It's simple. It doesn't take a lot of time, effort, or money. So I encourage you to do that. If you want to follow him to get more information, you can do that. And his Twitter handle is at uh, at Nick Sundberg, just his first and last name.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And Nick, I know that you're listening because you're a huge fan of the show. Um, You have an open invitation to join us anytime on any topic. That's right. So, yeah.
0: Anything. That's exactly Anything. right. Anything.
1: We'll talk about your mother's socks, if that's really what you'd like to talk about.
0: <laughs> I don't know where you like pulled that out of your yeah. head from, but that was... <laughs> it's a dark Well, place. we will. You're not wrong. Yeah. Okay. Let's not go there. Instead, let's move to the NFL. We said, you know, the last episode we released, we released was Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And that was recorded a few days before Christmas Eve. So a lot has happened the last, since the last time we recorded episode three, our last podcast, including a lot of NFL coaching changes. Uh, black Monday came, but it didn't come with such ferocity as it usually does. Instead, it was kind of like more like Black Tuesday, Black Wednesday, Black Thursday. It was just a black week, I think, for some of the coaches in the NFL.
1: Yeah, for the Cowboys, it was really just like a whole week of gray because no one knew what was going on—the meetings and and interviews and scheduling and secrecy. Who who knows what actually went on this past week for the Cowboys?
0: Yeah, it was a lot of uh, back and forth, a lot of reports. It was so strange because, like, I was hearing, hearing you know, I heard on I don't know Saturday, whenever it was, uh, they decided to to part ways or he will not be rehired. Jason Garrett will not be rehired or something. And then I saw something like uh, a couple days later and it says, confirm Jason Garrett is not going to be the head coach. Like, and then and then Mike McCarthy gets hired and then Jason Garrett is still technically under contact, yeah. contract until January 14th. So like when the Giants were thinking about him for the OC, they had to request permission, request permission. even though Mike yeah. McCarthy had already been hired. And so it's just so weird. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird stuff going behind the scenes, including – Uh, As we mentioned, the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, spending the night at Jerry Jones' house.
1: So I have to bust the bubble. I've heard and has been confirmed that that didn't actually happen. Uh, Uh, It's such a disappointing. I read – I was listening to the Dan Patrick show this morning, and Mm. Tim Callishaw he reported that it may not have happened. And then I read an article on ESPN.com later today and um, said that the report is that McCartney, McCarthy stayed at the Omni in Frisco, which is attached to the STAR, the Cowboys practice facility, and, um, you know, just sanctuary to football. Um, so, yeah, as much as we'd love to debate or talk about McCarthy staying at Jerry Jones' house to seal the deal. I don't think it happened.
0: You know, I wonder how much of this was purported by the fact that, with all the mess with deon uh, Deion Jordan and and Mark Cuban, like uh, well, a few years ago when they like locked uh, Deion Jordan inside of was it Mark it was I don't know if it was Mark Cuban's house or whoever's house it was, but you know, there is just a lot of weird stuff that goes on with players and no, coaches was... or owners' houses. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan.
1: They The Clippers flew down to Houston and locked him, him in his own house until <laughs> he committed to re-sign.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a, a lot of weird stuff that goes on with players and owners' houses in Dallas, mm-hmm. it seems like. So I can see how that myth was perpetuated. And I guess he sort of, if he stayed in the hotel that was attached to uh Jerry World then that's kind of like staying in Jerry's house right
1: Yeah pretty much and then i was hearing about you know Tim Kalishow was telling uh the listeners about um about Jerry Jones mansion and it's like it's 14,000 square feet and has a detached uh guest house so Gosh. it wouldn't even be like st- you know hey I got a guest room here. It shares a, a wall and a bathroom with my daughter or my son. Or... No, it'd be like essentially staying in a hotel or an Airbnb where you probably got somebody waiting on you, cleaning your sheets and everything like that. The, the The question that I thought was the funniest when when all of this was being talked about was like, did he come with like his bag packed, ready to sleep over at Jerry Jones' <laughs> house, or or did Jerry have to supply him with some cowboys pajamas on the fly? Like, oh, man. does he have <laughs> just a range of sizes of pajamas for house guests? <laughs> just you know, of course they're cowboys; they're blue and silver, navy sure. and silver. But yeah, that a pretty that's ridiculous saga for
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, that is that's definitely going to be remembered for uh, a long time to come, even if it didn't happen. But we, yeah, with the Mike McCarthy hiring uh, recently, that that just is um, what kind of happens during this time of the year in the NFL. Um, staying in the NFC East, obviously there was the Ron Rivera uh, hiring by the Washington Redskins. Um, also in the, in the NFC, there are so many. I mean, Doug Peterson was the, is like by far the. Longest tenured coach in the NFC East now, which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I I don't. How does that work? Like, if Jason Garrett gets hired as the OC for the Giants, then <laughs> technically Jason Garrett would be. But I don't know if it resets, like the counter resets, or. But that's yeah. a discussion for a, a, a probably a much smarter person than me. But yeah, on that um, note, the uh, the Giants hired Joe Judge. Um, was that? I think that was confirmed earlier today. Yes, um, I, I know it had so. been in the works for a little bit now, but I think it was finally confirmed and reported on earlier today. Um, so that whole NFC East is getting like a major overhaul. Um, that's going to be really easy. Uh, interesting to see how that fleshes out. So I guess I, I just want to get your input on just staying within all those coaching changes and the NFC East with Mike McCarthy, Joe judge, and, uh, and uh, um Ron Rivera, who, what team
1: got the best coach? I, oh, it's a, that's, that's tough. I'm going to go ahead and throw out the the Giants. We just, hmm. we don't know. Uh, he has no head coaching experience. Um, there's been at least one that I know of, special teams coordinator to head coach transition made. But, you know, is that a, something that can be duplicated? It seems like, you know, Everyone talks about, yeah, special teams are important, but let's be honest, it's the least important phase of the game, like offense, defense, special teams. There's a reason you say it in that order, whether you think defense or offense is more important. Special teams is least important. So what he's done, yeah, we haven't seen a lot of success out of the Belichick tree yet. Uh, So we'll see. I'm throwing that one out. I think – I don't know. I'm going to give it to the Cowboys. I'm, I'm staying optimistic right now. I'm looking at, you know, you've got the, the two other coaches are, have been established coaches have coached in the NFL for a significant time as head coaches. And when it boils down to it, I'm looking at one has a Super Bowl trophy and one does not. And that's, that's what I'm going to lean towards. And I'm going to say the Cowboys uh, got the best hire here. I don't even know if I would have said that um, two weeks ago. More information is coming out about McCarthy. Um, it's easy to, to get excited when something's new. And I, I, I do think Rivera is a, a great hire for the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Um, and he may turn out to be the better guy, but I feel like McCarthy is probably a, a pretty good fit with the Cowboys and, and what they've got going on.
0: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see um, just that whole NFC East play out. Logan, I want to get your your take on another matter. Uh, It's a very important matter. Um, If you had to assign a hashtag to one of those three coaches, Mike McCarthy, uh, Ron Rivera, or Joe Judge, what would that hashtag be? You can pick any coach to assign that hashtag to, but obviously this is very important stuff, so... Uh, what would you say your hashtag is for one of those NFC East coaches?
1: Mm, okay, well, I'll do you one better. I don't know if you have hashtags ready as well, but I've got one for every head coach vacancy
0: that has been filled or will be filled. Woo, I like it. I like it. I've got a lot. I've got a lot of my hashtags prepared. Okay. Um,
1: so let's so. let's start with the Cowboys. Let's do it. My hashtag for the Cowboys' coaching change is hashtag feed Zeke because I think that's what's going to be important with McCarthy. He never had an elite running back in Green Bay. Eddie Lacy does not compare uh, to what Zeke can do, and I think that's going to be a key. This offense is never going to be Dak Prescott throwing the ball 40 times a game, at least not successfully. They've got to center this around Zeke. And he's talked about bringing in this whole analytics crew, and I think that's great. But if the analytics are telling you to not hand the ball to the guy you just paid all that money, throw him out the window because that's how you're going to win games. You're going to eat clock. You're going to let Dak control the game but not go crazy. And you're going to feed the player who is, you know, like we say, a, a generational talent should be one of the best backs in the league. He's paid as such. He's been billed as such. He needs to perform, but he can't perform if they're not giving him the rock.
0: I like your your, uh, nice little line of uh, eating clock by feeding Zeke. That that was a good one. (laughs) That's
1: what you got to do.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different route on my hashtag and my take with Mike McCarthy. Uh, My hashtag is hashtag oops, I did it again. And this is, Ooh. if Jerry Jones ever wants a hashtag for Twitter, he can go ahead and use this one. Because uh, I'm not very impressed with the Mike McCarthy hire. I think that he actually was a uh, – I think he was an average coach in um, Green Bay. I do not think Aaron Rodgers is easy to coach. I do not think he is easy to get along with as a player. Um, that being said, I do think he is one of the best quarterbacks that have, has ever played the game. And because of that, Mike McCarthy should have gotten more out of that team. Um, granted, they had some defenses that weren't very good, and the supporting cast um, around Aaron Rodgers fluctuated from being uh, poor to being good. Um, but I don't. I, I just wasn't impressed by this hire, to be honest. I think they're going to get another round of uh, this eight and eight, nine and seven, battling for the six and seven uh, or sixth spot in the NFC or uh, like dueling it out with other poor NFC East teams. I, I just am not very impressed by it. I think uh, it does honestly remind me a lot of, of Jason Garrett. Um, and I don't know if that's, I know that's not what uh, Cowboys fans want to hear, but to me, it just strikes me as, as uh, mediocre hire. Um, and I, I don't think that the Cowboys are going to, um, are gonna put up with that much longer? You know, I think that yeah. if, like McCarthy goes eight and eight. Uh, if he goes eight and eight next year, like I feel like the Cowboys would rather go like four and twelve than eight and eight next year. <laughs> if, I think if Mike McCarthy goes eight and eight next year, then, he'd, I mean, I don't want to know what would happen in Dallas. Um, but I, I'm just not impressed with that. I think it reminds me a lot of Jason Garrett. So that's why my hashtag is Oops, I did it again.
1: No, and about a year ago, I would have completely agreed with you because, fresh on the heels of McCarthy getting canned in Green Bay, there was all that negative press on McCarthy and his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, reports of him skipping team meetings to get a massage, and just crazy accusations that did not paint him in a good light. Before that all came out, I was like, gung-ho about the Cowboys firing Jason Garrett last year and going after McCarthy because you, you knew there was tension there. But then it's it's all kind of settled down. You know, McCarthy's taken mm-hmm. the year off, but he's been studying the analytics. And, you know, yeah, is that just something to put on his resume? Does he think, you know, people were calling me stale? I need to do something to update that. Maybe, but I, I maintain... I understand the Cowboys thinking and I can I can get behind it. I believe and from what I've been what I've heard, Jerry Jones' thinking was this roster, this team has Super Bowl talent. And yeah. we're not gonna waste a year letting a coach play catch up. Mm-hmm. And so what does he do? He goes out and gets pretty much the only coach on the market with a Super Bowl title, you know. And I, I can't fault him for that. You know, Mike McCarthy got there um, and won one. That's something that Jason Garrett has never been able to do. Um, I do think it's a little bit different than the Jason Garrett situation. That was just a kind of a the hometown guy situation where Jason was Tony Romo, not Tony Romo, Troy Aitman's backup. And then he was the offensive coordinator under Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips wasn't getting the job done he gets canned midseason, Jason Garrett comes in, does better than Wade Phillips and it was just the easy choice. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that McCarthy was the easy choice. You know, the, Jerry knew there would be some backlash. He knew he read the articles about uh, McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers' relationship. They said he was Jerry was blown away by the interview and you know, should they have gone ahead and interviewed a few more people? Uh, probably. I think so. I and I would have I've said this before on the podcast, I would have rather them gone with Lincoln Riley, but I see Jerry's thinking. I can only hope that McCarthy can help Dak like he helped Brett Favre later in his career and Aaron Rodgers through the early stages of his career.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I completely see why they had why why they brought him in. I agree that it was a, a pretty quick transaction on their part, um, which, which kind of left me confused. But I know you and I were talking about this earlier this week, and you, met, you mentioned that he may have had other offers, and so the Cowboys wanted to solidify it quicker. So uh, who knows what was going on behind the scenes. A lot of things go on behind the scenes that we're not sure of in Dallas. Um, but only time will tell. And Mike McCarthy is going to have to go up against this next coach twice, next at least – Twice next year who knows what happens in the playoffs they always seem to play each other uh but the giants
1: mm-hmm. joe
0: judge uh, was hired confirmed today logan what's your hashtag for joe judge
1: this one this one is a stretch and you're gonna have to follow me here
0: okay my here we go.
1: hashtag for the giants hiring joe judge is hashtag re harbaugh Ree okay harbaugh Okay. I think that's what the Giants are going after here. Um it's the only higher of this um manner that I can think to compare it to where you go and hire a special teams coordinator as your head coach. It's been a huge success in Baltimore. They've already won a Super Bowl under John Harbaugh and they're looking to do to get a second this year and they're I mean they're they're in prime position to. So, you know, it, in the past, um, you you know you see something you like, you go and hire someone under that coach uh, to try to steal a little bit of that success. And in this case, they just tried to use that formula. Um, so that's it's an interesting way to go. Uh, he has been with mm-hmm. the Patriots for eight years. Joe Judge has, so you know that's that's plenty of time to soak up. All the Belichick magic that you can, Mm -hmm. but from what I've seen, the the assistant coaches aren't soaking up much of that. Um, You know, not many have been super successful. We'll we'll see how Mike Vrabel does, but um, he hasn't. I don't even know that he was ever an assistant coach under Belichick. He was a player for Belichick. Do you know was Vrabel ever coach coaching under Bill Belichick?
0: I don't think so because I think he was the, uh, I think he retired and then took a year or so off, maybe, and then went to the Texans, right, as their
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe linebacker coach or defensive coordinator, um, and then said defensive coordinator, yep. Okay, yeah, and then went to the Titans. From there, I believe. So I don't, I don't think he was ever an assistant coach under Belichick.
1: So here's what, and I may jump around in in your order. Mm -hmm. But I'll I'll let you go ahead and and give your hashtag before we discuss how they came to the hire of Joe Judge. So what's your hashtag for the
0: Giants? All right. So my hashtag for uh, Joe Judge, you know, Logan, with a judge, that's only when you're in court, a judge is only half of the deciding factor. The other deciding factor is is the jury. So my hashtag is hashtag the jury's still out. And this is a very obvious hashtag. Obviously, the jury is still out for any newly hired head coach. But the reason why I say that is because I could see this going both ways. I could see this being a disaster. I could see Mm -hmm. this being uh, just a flop. I mean, he has no head coaching experience. Um, The only, I believe, offensive coaching experience he has outside of special teams, obviously – uh, is that he was the wide receiver coach for the Patriots last year. And obviously the wide receivers for the Patriots this year uh, underperformed significantly. In fact, I've said on this podcast a time or two that they were one of the reasons why Brady looked so poor this year and only threw, I think, 26 touchdowns. Um, and so he was not very impressive as a coach this past year. Now, obviously their wide receivers were uh, due to blame as they weren't a super talented bunch. Um, but he has no head coaching experience. Uh, he's been in New England for the past eight years, which is great. He's also coached under Nick Saban, which is a very mm. good um, spot. Coaching under Saban, coaching under Bill I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, John Harbaugh was the last special teams uh, coach that was promoted to head coach and, or hired as a head coach, and we've known the success that Harbaugh's had there. But, I, you know, I don't know. Harbaugh also, you know, let's not let recency bias cloud our opinion of Harbaugh. Harbaugh has also had his down years. The Ravens, he's been on the hot seat for the past couple of years. Um, and then obviously Lamar Jackson coming in and helping to save his job. But I don't know. It just, I could see Joe Judge uh, being a Pat Shermer. And I could see Joe Judge uh, being a very, very good hire and leading them to maybe even a playoff berth next year. That's why I say the jury's still out just because most of the time I feel like hot or cold about one hire. Uh, like I do with Mike McCarthy feeling um, bad about the hire, but Joe judge, I don't know. I just have to say the jury's still out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think what
0: may be more
1: important for the success of Joe judge is Dave Gettleman. You know, is he going to mm-hmm. provide the talent that they need specifically on the offensive line? That's where I think they've struggled the most. They've had, a pretty talented, um, defensive players. Uh, not that they've been a a great group overall, but, and then they've had, uh, maybe more talent on offense as far as top end elite talent than anyone else, though they've traded some of it away and, and let some of it leave in free agency. Um, yeah, it's, it is going to be interesting. They've got a high draft pick, um, Mm -hmm. We'll see what they do with that. The Giants, though, here's my segue into the next one, as Perd Hapley would say. Um, the segue is this. Yeah. <laughs> the Giants had an opportunity to interview another coach, another coaching candidate, but they had to match the offer that he got from the Carolina Panthers. Matt was offered the job by the Carolina Panthers and before he accepted he called the Giants to meet with later in the week and said, "Hey, will you match this offer before I even walk in the door?" and they declined and hired Joe Judge. So Ben, what is your what's what's your take on that situation? Did the Giants get it right? And um what's your hashtag for the Panthers?
0: Yeah, you know, I'll touch on the money aspect in a second, but I I think, yeah, that's the Giants got it right. I I think that Matt Rule is probably a safer bet uh, than Joe Judge, but it's very hard to say. Uh, but I do think that the amount that Matt Rule is asking from the Giants is just a little bit too much for a uh, first-time head coach in the NFL. So with that being said, RG3 had a quote or kind of a slogan uh, back when he was good uh, that was no pressure, no diamonds. And I don't think he was the first one to create this, but he was kind of the one to make this line popular, right? So my hashtag Mm -hmm. for Matt Rule is hashtag no pressure, yes, diamonds. Because Matt Rule can go into this position as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers in my neck of the woods. And you know what? He can underperform, to be honest. I think they're fine. He, uh, He's not going to be let go. His, He's not going to be in the hot seat if they go 6-10, and 7-9, whatever it is, um, if they don't make a the playoff next year and even the year after that because their quarterback situation is very volatile. Is Cam Newton going to come back? When he does come back and he plays poorly, well, that's not on that rule. They should have let him go. That's on the, the GM and the owners and – you know, if Kyle Allen is the guy or Will Greer, whoever it is, well, they, they, they should have drafted a quarterback and now they're playing poorly and all this stuff. He has a lot of excuses. So, Matt Rowe does not have a lot of pressure to go into this position and perform, but he does have a lot of diamonds because he asked and he got $62 million over seven years. And just to put that in perspective mm-hmm. of what that is, um, that's an annual salary of roughly $8 million. Um, and to put that in perspective of um, the ten uh, richest quarterbacks that uh, the ten highest paid qu- or excuse me, um, head coaches in the NFL as of 2018, so it was about a year ago, that Rule is going to come into the NFL and be paid higher than what Jason Garrett was making, what Mike McCarthy was making, what John Harbaugh was making what Mike Tomlin was making, what Andy Reed was making, what Ron Rivera was making. And he's going to make, he's going to make less than Sean Payton. He's going to make less than Pete Carroll. He's going to make less than John Gruden, and he's going to make less than Bill Belichick. So just to put that in perspective, he's coming in, he's already making more than some of the top coaches in the NFL. Logan, I don't know how Mm -hmm. he swung this deal, but, like, if – I guess I guess he's got an agent, right? He didn't go the Richard Sherman route of negotiating a contract for himself, I'm assuming. So, whoever that agent is, man, I want him to come negotiate all my contracts from, from here on out.
1: For sure. I Yeah, that is a ton of money. I think that's what Carolina and their new owner probably felt like they had to do to get him to not leave the building. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to like this, though, I, I – that's ridiculous. If if you're going to lose the guy that you th- um is the the best fit for your organization over money, that's these guys are billionaires, the owners of these teams, like mm-hmm. share, you should spare no expense getting to the Super Bowl in my mind. And then I kind of I I disagree with you on the no pressure thing. I think that this is this is this owner's first huge major decision he is hitching his wagon to matt rule and he is expecting him to duplicate the success that matt had at temple and at baylor and he's shelled out the cash for it and in the world of business and i don't know a whole lot about dave tepper the owner of the panthers but i i know i believe he's comes from some sort of a business background and in the world of business, mm-hmm. a large salary is a large target. If things go South, you don't start at the bottom and start cutting guys that get paid seven twenty-five an hour. You start at the top and your biggest, your bloated assets, your, your guys that have been there for years and are, um, you know, making more than, and then they're producing. So I believe that, you know, um, Matt Rule does go in with with a significant amount of pressure, um, even for a first time head coach. Even though he does have a uh, not the greatest quarterback situation, um, so my hashtag for the Panthers is hashtag turnaround. I have obviously not been nearly as creative as you have with these <laughs> hashtags, but you know I I like it. We've got some uh, uh, some contrast there, but that's what. Um Matt Rule has been successful at at temple he, in like three or four seasons, he took them from a terrible record to a winning record and an upstanding program. He did the same in Baylor in nearly an impossible situation mm-hmm. on the heels of uh the art browse uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wanted that job, nobody wanted to be there no, none of the the scholarship athletes wanted to be there it was It was a toxic environment and situation and he went in and went one and eleven in his first season. I believe it was seven and six in his second and eleven and two this year. Now say what you want about the Big 12, but he found a way to win with a program that still historically is has been bad. It Baylor has does not have a history of winning. Um, like you said earlier, recency bias makes us look at RG3 and Art Browse and say, well, they were great then, but that was like a three-, four-year span, and and they didn't really accomplish anything significant. They never won the Big 12, and they, they might have got a share of the Big 12 one year under that crew, but they didn't win a significant bowl game. They didn't go to the national championship. They never made the playoffs, and Matt Rule had them on the brink, and they were in two separate games had they been able to beat Oklahoma they could have been in the national championship or at least the playoff. No, they weren't going to beat LSU. They couldn't even beat Georgia. Um, Couldn't even compete with Georgia. But that's more of a state of the the Big 12, I think. But that turnaround, supremely impressive in my eyes. I think the Panthers got a gem in Matt Rule. And yeah, we'll see. I think he's going to the panthers looked at their situation and like the cowboys looked at theirs cowboys said we've got the roster we need to win now the panthers said we got a lot of work to do like we do have a quarterback that a quarterback situation that doesn't look great we do have a defense that may need to be retooled we do have some offensive weapons but some holes as well and it's you know i i believe ron rivera is a good coach i said that earlier Um, but it it was time for a change of scenery for both or both parties in that deal. And I believe Matt rule will turn around the Panthers um, in the next three seasons.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, I don't necessarily disagree that Matt Rose going to turn around the Panthers be good head coach, but to your point, I I think that from my perspective, uh, him coming in and say he does poorly, to me it's different than like where Freddie kitchens was last year. Right. So Freddie kitchen comes in and they've got loads of talent and they've got Baker Mayfield who just went offensive rookie of the year. And now he's got to produce. He's in a high pressure cooker of his situation. Matt rule comes in. And, and so what I'm saying with the Browns is that there's a lot of excuses that could have been made. Um, or there's not a lot of excuses that could have made other than Freddie kitchens is what I mean. Matt rule comes in, let's say they have a poor year. Well, then all the, there's a lot of excuses for the Panthers um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be put on that rule. But I also understand the, the other side of that coin with, you know, they are paying him a lot to deliver, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that things would be very different if this was a $40 million deal over seven years or something like that, then maybe they can take their time and be a little bit more patient. Uh, but every year you're waiting, you know, that's $8 million more million down the drain. That's eating up your cap. That's eaten up. The uh, David Tepper's pocketbook, you know, so that dollar amount on the contract really does put a uh, adds a little bit of more uh, pressure. I think we're at kind of a different levels of the amount of pressure that we think Matt Rule has on him, but I think we can both agree that a dollar amount really adds to the pressure that he feels. Um, Another, I don't know, like another interesting thing that I'm kind of not fully. I guess convinced on and to me, I'm kind of like always a, a cynic or pessimist when like new, new coaches are hired. And I think that's maybe just because I've been a chargers fan my whole life. Um, <laughs> but like at Baylor, like imagine this time last year we said, Matt rule, the Baylor head coach uh, signed a $62 million deal with, to replace Ron Rivera. Well, then this, Oh, the guy who went one in 11, two years ago and seven and six last year, like that it would seem crazy. And so, and I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad choice or a poor choice or anything, but it shows the, uh, the amount that a good, a very good season can have on uh, hiring these coaches. Cause he, I mean, one and 11, seven and six, and then all of a sudden 11 and three gets a great gig in the NFL and makes out like a bandit with his deal. Um so I don't know it's I think like uh Joe Judge the jury's still out but one of the I would say definitely one of the most fascinating uh, and enigmatic hires at least from a um money perspective throughout the, sure. the NFL um so on on that note Logan you know Ron Rivera was the Panthers old head coach and obviously he went up to um, my old stomping grounds of, of D.C. What is your hashtag for Mr. Rivera, the the newly anointed head coach of the dumpster fire that is the Washington Redskins?
1: Well, the creative mind that you are and that you've brought to this hashtag game, I'm sure you're going to incorporate this in your hashtag. Um, and I didn't. But Ron Rivera, the first active head coach, Removing the ping pong tables. That's just so such a ridiculous one liner taken out of context kind of thing that is going to have absolutely zero impact in and of itself. But overall, the idea behind it may, in fact, help the entire organization. Um, So my hashtag for the Redskins hire of Ron Rivera is hashtag hard nose. That is what you see and that is what you get. With Ron Rivera, a member of the '85 Bears defense that was so incredible, um, the architect behind the the Panthers defense led by Luke Keekley and that host of of players, a re uh, a reunion with Josh Norman potentially mm. also a little bit interesting, but what. Rivera is going to bring to that organization is structure that they haven't seen since Joe Gibbs. Um, And I think that's going to be huge for that organization. They've been under Jay Gruden. They've been pesky really and truly Mm. not really good and not terrible. Most of the time, it's like every year the Redskins are going to be listed as, Oh, they're going to be the worst team this year. And then they come out with like six or eight wins. And they're playing Joe Josh Johnson at quarterback by the end of the season because they've lost six quarterbacks to broken legs. Mm-hmm. But they still spoil one of the other NFC East teams' chances at the playoffs. It's, they, to me they've been pesky. Um, so that shows you know a little bit about this core of players, which I don't think is bad. They did definitely have some some weak spots, but. I think Rivera is walking in, and my biggest question mark for him is going to be with quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge believer. I think he was probably overrated coming out of college, Uh, maybe a complete bust, and that's going to set Rivera back if if that is the case. Uh, But I believe he's going to put in the structure in that organization that's going to help prove that out pretty early. Uh, I don't think we're going to have a huge waiting time to see. uh, Once this structure is in place, once Rivera has his guys in the locker room over the next year, year and a half, we're going to be able to see if Dwayne Haskins uh, can cut it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a swift change in the atmosphere if it hasn't already and mm-hmm. the Redskins are certainly going to feel that because the Redskins are a team that you know you always if you had a bet on one team to get in a fight on a Sunday it would probably be the Redskins I mean they're always <laughs> fighting they're scrappy but not in a good way like they're just undisciplined um, and you're right they haven't had a disciplinarian like Ron Rivera in a long time probably since Joe Gibbs I certainly don't think Jake Gruden was um, what we'd call a disciplinarian um, you know and I love the moves that Ron Rivera has come in you know he's he's set the tone early on Uh he's kind of taken this uh a- and owned that he's taken it as like a, a owner mentality um and that he is, mm-hmm. he's not obviously he's not a, a Dan Snyder, but he is, I, I think a lot of head coaches kind of come in and they kind of take, sit back and like let management do their thing. And then when the season starts, they take charge and everything like that, but he's coming in and he's taking charge, immediately um which is great i mean he hired jack del rio for his defensive coordinator position which i thought was a fantastic hire um i -hmm. mean he's he's making moves left and right um i saw some uh some moves he made with the offensive coordinator position today so he's been doing some really good things but you know what i i feel sorry for him because this is my hashtag it's not about the coach hashtag it's not about Mm -hmm. the coach Because we mentioned a couple episodes ago when we were doing our Christmas podcast, maybe last last episode, uh, some Christmas gifts that we would give to various teams. And my Christmas gift, I believe I said uh, for the Redskins, was the the selling of the team. So basically meaning that Dan Snyder would not own the team anymore. And funny enough, while that didn't happen, Bruce Allen was let go. Um, mm-hmm. so the, the, the president, I think it was a VP of operations as well. So, uh, he had been with the team for a long time. He was, um, someone say equally culpable for the poor performance of the Redskins over the past couple of decades. And uh, I think fans, I mean, I know fans were very happy that Bruce Allen was let go. And that was probably the. I mean, it was the next best, the next best thing, to dan snyder selling the team but in dc dan snyder is still the owner and i think ron rivera is is gonna feel that quickly i don't think um he had a owner in uh carolina that was even remotely close to dan snyder um and so i think that he's gonna feel that quickly and i think it's gonna rub wrong the wrong way and i just don't think that i think that he's going to be a good coach i think that he may turn the team around i agree with you that Dwayne haskins is a huge question mark and if i had to say i would say he's probably not going to be very successful in the nfl but long story short i think as long as dan snyder is still the owner it's going to be tough for any coach to succeed uh in dc um so unfortunately it's not about the coach it's about the owner
1: Yep, that will be interesting to see how it plays out. So we've got one more coaching vacancy. I don't know if you prepared a hashtag for this, but the Browns are still on the hunt for their next guy following uh, old Freddie Kitchens, who had a one-year stint Mm
0: -hmm. as the head
1: coach of the illustrious Browns. Um, So I've got a hashtag, and I'll I'll go ahead and, and give it to you, whether you're ready for it or not. I'm ready. For this hire... For the Browns hire of who knows who it's gonna be. My hashtag is hashtag headache because <laughs> you talk about a poor ownership group. What are the Browns doing? They like, I mean, they don't have a GM, they've got the guy from Moneyball running their football operations. And what they John Dorsey brought them supreme talent. Figure out a way to let that guy run your organization. Because he's done something right. Like, what the coach then does with that talent is kind of on him. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, the coach and GM should work hand in hand. And it sounds like that's what they're trying to get accomplished. But they've already swung and missed on a few of their candidates. I think they wanted McCarthy. He's not going to take it. He's in Dallas now. and Matt Rule wouldn't even interview with him because he knows how much of a headache it is. And he's been very selective. He interviewed for the Jets job last year and I believe turned that down as well. So the Browns are a huge mess, a huge headache. Um, You know, I think they could hit a home run here. They really could. If they were, if the ownership were to hire the right people and get out of the way, much like in Dallas, much like in uh, D.C., if those ownership groups would hire the right people and empower them to do their jobs, they would be successful. I think the Browns are a very talented team with a bright future if they hire the right person. Um, Josh McDaniels would be great, but I really think he would be stupid to take that job um, unless he wants to go interview and use that as leverage to get Belichick early retired, you know, I've, <laughs> I I think there's conspiracies to be had there that, you know, Brady goes to Kraft and says, do not let uh, McDaniels leave. And Kraft says, all right, Bill, it's time to retire. Josh, you're our new head coach.
0: Ooh, ooh wow. I like the conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, I, that's, that's what I'm throwing out there. So I don't think Josh McDaniels will get hired by the Browns. The one that I another one I think would be a great hire would be Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs. Um, seems like a, a a bright young mind in the game um, from a very successful coaching tree and Andy Reid. Um, and then pair him with a with a GM, whether it's their assist their previous assistant GM Elliot Wolf who came from the Packers, and let them let them go, let them run. Uh, that's that's my take on the brown situation
0: yeah i, I think we, we share similar takes on this um so i i have a hashtag that i don't know how it's, how good it is because i have to explain it uh, um so i feel like when you have to explain a hashtag it's kind of it loses its uh zeal but my hashtag is uh hashtag the kitchen sink and i'll need <laughs> i'll need to elaborate a little bit um in my mind, they're going to screw this up. They're already screwing this up. I mean, like you said, they are, it looks like they are taking their a little bit too much time and and, and they've interviewed some good candidates, but it, it might look like they're going to still uh, bring in some other candidates and mess around. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that the brand, you know, they don't not, have a GM. So why don't they just make Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens, Inc., the contract just bring kitchens back like does it really matter oh my gosh Um, (laughs) i mean at this point like the people like they've um you know they've interviewed uh the they've interviewed greg roman ravens offensive coordinator they've interviewed uh, eric biannemi already from the chiefs they've interviewed robert sala from the 49ers um coordinator um i believe they did interview mike mccarthy And those are like such great candidates. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. and and that's like, that's probably that's, I would say that's maybe entering this, excluding Josh McDaniels, because who knows what he's going to do. He could even say he's going to coach a team and then back out last second.
1: That would be too (laughs)
0: crazy. Um, But like, those are probably the three best candidates uh, that are still available and maybe were even all like when they were all available before McCarthy and Judge and Rule were hired, um, and Rivera, like those are some great candidates, but they're still messing around. And I saw that today they were interviewing um Jim Schwartz. And like <laughs> I mean, like, no, what a terrible hire if they That's were. That's probably who gonna it's good. Right. I I could see it. Like, you so basically they're pairing like one of the most undisciplined teams, historically and personnel-wise, in the NFL right now, with one of the most uh undisciplined coaches that have With the coach who coach nearly gotten a fight right
1: post game
0: right exactly and so i'm sitting here wondering why okay you've interviewed greg Grimm, you've interviewed eric Bindam, you've entered you interviewed robert Sala. like you're good you don't have to go why are you is it like a smoke screen for other people that want to hire jim short like what is this like i don't I, know what they're doing um, i think
1: they're getting turned down again like
0: it might be it very well might be uh I mean, like you said, um, Rural didn't even want to uh, interview for mm-hmm. the Browns. And I understand that. Um, and I think Schwartz is so pumped up to, like, try to get back in the head coaching gig that <laughs> yeah. he'll take anything. And I don't – I mean, that, that's the only reason why I think, like, it, it's basically like you have Brady Rogers and Breeze come to you and say, hey, I want to be your quarterback. And then you saying, okay, I hear you. Uh, let me go talk to like Jameis Winston real quick and see if he's <laughs> yeah. like. It just doesn't make any sense. I think they're going to screw it up. So I think you know what? Before they screw it up, let's just make it more fun. And bring back Freddie Kitchen, so at least there's some drama.
1: Oh man! <laughs> Out of all the things they could do, I do think that would be the worst. <laughs> oh man, he was so bad this year. Yeah. Oh my the team is, was a train wreck. Another name. I, I've said it before, I think Jason Garrett would be a good fit. Um, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. I don't believe that. But the Browns fans don't want a Super Bowl. Like <laughs> they'll settle for like a playoff every two or every like 5 years, you know. Mm, Just mm. get us to the playoffs once every 5 years and they're going to be happy for a decade. Right, um, right? When, you know, year 2030, now we can talk about the Browns contending for a Super Bowl. but okay, I like it. They're going to be happy with mediocrity. So mm-hmm. give them Jason Garrett.
0: You know, they should hire Jason Garrett and Jeff Fisher because Ooh. between the two of them, like every year, they get eight wins, right? So if you just make them both head coaches, then you'll either get eight wins on both sides and go 16-0 and or eight losses on both sides go 0-16 or – and So, really, it's a gamble, but it it would pay off, I think. I think that's a gamble that the Browns are willing to make at this point. I mean, it's better than hiring Kitchens. Just go ahead and hire a dual head coach with Garrett and Fisher.
1: Yeah, it's – I mean, I don't think McDaniels is going to take the job. Urban Meyer is not going to take the job. Oh, man. I don't think – Eric bien should take the job unless he feels very comfortable with his GM pairing and the ownership's ability to get out of the way. Garrett's the one that, you know, what's he going to do? He's interviewing with the Giants for their offensive coordinator position. Is that where he wants to be or just to stick it to Jerry Jones? I don't even see Jason as an offensive guru anymore. I mean... I see him as a head coach who can bring some stability, but offensively, that that's not who I want to bring in as my OC. I, my mind is, is years of um, stability as a head coach and keeping a team from dropping into rebuilding. The Cowboys under his tenure really never had to rebuild. They, mm-hmm. And that's partially because of the, the luck they got when they got Dak Prescott. But, yeah, I I don't know. Brown's huge headache. Oh, Freddie Kitchens, man. <laughs> he, I'm telling maybe you, he'll man. be, maybe their owner should say, I believe Freddie Kitchens will be coaching next year. And I'll finish that sentence by saying, in high school
0: in Ohio somewhere. Yeah, right. I feel bad for that high school. Well. I think that concludes all our vacancies, and who knows, maybe by the time we have our next podcast, that bronze vacancy will be filled. I heard that they're trying to fill it by Saturday, which is another reason why I think that they don't have a clue what they're doing because, honestly, what's the rush? Like, everybody's out at this point, so. (laughs) There's no one to compete. (laughs) But they're like, still, by Saturday, we've got to. Like, okay, why? Uh, I guess they really want to get prepared for that draft or something, but who knows.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. What a train wreck. Hopefully this podcast has not been a train wreck. But Ben, before we wrap out, I need to give a shout out. Please. I I have been through this whole episode supremely comfortable. Ask ask me why I've been so comfortable. Why
0: have you been so comfortable? Do I want to know why have you been so comfortable? <laughs> Gosh.
1: <laughs> That's a dangerous question. Yeah, I know. But the answer is simple. It's called sax underwear, Ben. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it is incredible. I am a hundred fishing for sponsorships right now. But, <laughs> Sax, if you're out there, if you're listening, if any of our listeners have a contact with the Sax marketing department, hook us up because these things are so comfortable that I'll talk about them every episode. You know, if they'll just give me enough free pairs to wear through the week. So that's that's my shameless pitch. Saks Underwear, guys, check them out. Oh. You know, look,
0: I was not... And with that... I'm going to be honest. I was not expecting you to talk about your underwear on this podcast, but uh, switch, switching oh, things man. up. I should have known. I should have known. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you never know what you're going <laughs> to get. All right, guys. Stay tuned. We'll have a next episode out shortly. Um, hit us up at our email address, going for two, spelled out, 19 at gmail.com. 19 is not spelled out. <laughs> two is spelled out. going for two nineteen at gmail.com. Um, if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can send us a voice message. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, I think you can probably review us. Uh, that would be great. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Ben, give us our Twitter handle again. It's
0: at going for T-W-O underscore pod. At going for two underscore pod.
1: Awesome. It's been great. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast. Until next time. See you later.